Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home cycling in association with Laka Bicycle Insurance. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad, another exceptional day of action on the road today. We have, yes. Um, other than the Giro, of course, we've got the Tour of Flanders on today, which we'll come to. We will come to that. Yeah. Let's, let's start with the Giro, shall we? Stage 15, yeah. 185 kilometres. Um, Pian Travalo, mountain finish in the Carnic Alps. Stunning scenes in the high mountains and another stunning race won by... In, in many ways... Teo Gaganot. Your protégé. No, he's not my protégé. It could be, though. No. <laughs> Is that too much? I can't make any claim to him being a protégé. He's, he's a big fan of yours, though. I believe so. Um, and lovely. He's a lovely lad. He's a rider in his own right. He surpassed anything I did on the bike in the Giro by winning a stage in the mountains. So good on him. What a great rider and a great lad. And um, what a way he did it as well. I mean, he was the sm- uh, strongest of... Three riders where they blew the likes of Nibali away, Pozzaviva, Jago Fouchon, Van der and just to name a few. Yeah. Uh, before we go any further, here's how Teo did it, as called by Rob Hatch on Eurosport. But here, Wilco Kelderman is looking to finish off the work done by Team Sunweb. And here we go. It's Henley there, shaken ahead by Gegenhardt. And here comes Kelderman on the right-hand side. Matter of a few hundred metres to go. Remember, 10, 6 and 4 bonus seconds available. There is Gagan Hart on the wheel. It's Kelderman who takes over. It looks as though it's Kelderman who's going to the line. But now Gagan Hart launches his attack. Ineos Grenadiers to the front. Gagan Hart is there to do it. It's going to be a coming of age for the man from East London. Yet another young gun to hit the heights of the Giro d'Italia. It's a five-star Giro for the Ineos Stage win number five for them. It's a first in the history in big races for Tailgate and Hart. He's now also in the fight for the pink jersey. And the Mayaros himself is desperate to hang on. So Brad, Rob called it there as a coming of age win for Teo. Do you yeah, agree with that? Absolutely. So he was he ended up sort of default leader at the Giro last year for Ineos. Yeah. Um, and he's done so if, if, through no fault or, or intention of his own. He's now their main man yeah. this time around. Well, I guess not having any pressure coming into this race, working hard as well before this race with a, with a view to working for Grant Thomas. Grant, I, I can't see anyone else would have been in pink other than Grant at this stage had he been there. And that work, you know, has been put to good use because you can imagine him playing a big part for Grant had he still been here. Yeah. And he's able to transfer that to his own success. So it's superb to watch. He's up to fourth now. I just wish he'd sprinted to the line and um, he's he, one second off third. He would have been in third tonight. He could have been, yeah. could have been top three. He's two minutes and 57 seconds behind Zhao Almeida on GC. Um, he spoke to Bernie, uh, Bernie Eisel for us after the stage. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the thing with uh, being down on GC like I am from yeah the first few stages when uh, we we were following our plan A for this race with uh, with a super Geraint, um who I really think would have would have been wiping the floor with everyone here, uh, in my opinion. 
Um, so yeah, with that in mind, it, it wasn't for me to do anything, and especially with two Sunweb guys there. So just a waiting game, and in the end, yeah, I had a lot left actually, but uh, you never know until you arrive to the line. So that's bike racing. What did you think when you came near the line? I just straight away thought of Nico, to be honest, because you know more than anyone, Bernie, that uh, he'd been incredibly special in this team. And for me personally, I was with him at this Giro last year and uh, he supported me so much. I ended up crashing out on stage 13 and we did the Vuelta together and there was also some big highs and lows, but he kept always believing in me and pushing me to believe in myself. And yeah, I wanted to dedicate this, this victory to him. Dedicating your victory to Nicolas Quartal, the sports director passed away last year, sadly. But he would see you, and like us, as the plan B at the moment, or not? A good plan B of Team Mineo's Grenadier for this year in Italia. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to the boss of the team this morning, Sir Dave B, and he said he wants us to to race aggressively and to, to really race, you know? So... I'm more than happy to do that. I'm really enjoying it. We've got a super group here, really nice guys. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just want to thank the the team at Ineos and, and at Grenadiers because they've supported us through a very up-and-down year. It's their first full season in the sport, and, yeah, we all know it's been a pretty strange one. So we're really honoured to, to have their support, and, yeah, we're really lucky to, to be racing with their colours on our, on our jersey and excited to be doing so. One second off the third place off the podium in a moment, so it's oh, yeah. nicely into the rest of it. Should have sprinted a bit earlier, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Thank you. So, Brad, as you said there, Teo's echoed your thoughts, really. He said that were G still in the mm. race, he yeah. would be wiping the floor with his competitors. Yeah. Uh, you agree with that? Yeah. G would, G would have been... G was ready for this race... You know, with Simon Yates falling away and obviously going home with um, coronavirus, um, he, he, I can't seem to have been in any other position than in the first place at the moment. It seems like quite a weak GC race now. So we, we've lost Thomas, we've lost Yates, we know about that. But I mean, and, and the field has been substantially weakened because of Michton Scott and Yumbo Visma's withdrawal. Um, but there are a few riders I can think of who maybe have ridden the tour who, who might be kicking themselves now because had they not ridden the tour and chose to do the Giro instead, surely, you know, I'm thinking of the likes of Richard Carapaz, yeah. um, maybe Oran Dumoulin. Um, if Bill Bow hadn't have done the tour, uh, you, you've got to think he'd be strong yeah. about Lander, talking of uh, Bahrain. Well, yeah, well, that might be a bit unfair to Kelderman and those guys, but do you know what? Yeah, they should, they had their chance. They could have picked a race. The way the field, the, the, the season's been um, scheduled because of everything that's happened this year. It is what it is, and that people had to pick. Obviously, the teams had a big say in that. You imagine someone like Pino would have liked this Giro, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's the way the season panned out, isn't it? And you know, it's all lifts and butts, but it is what it is. And these guys now are established and have earned the right to be in this position. Now it's been it's been a tough race. Today's other big winners on GC, apart from Teo, Wilco Kelderman. He's now just 15 seconds behind Zhao Almeida. Yeah. Uh, Jai Henley did a brilliant job for him. I mean, Sunweb as a whole did a, a fantastic job today gunning him mm. on the front. Uh, Nico Dens in particular ran himself into the ground. Sunweb have, have ridden a canny season. Yeah, they've had, they look the strongest team today. They did a great job. They now are poised to win this Giro, I think. Do you I, make Kelderman your favourite now, despite Almeida still uh, being, still having one yeah, time I trial think, left? 
I think having he's got obviously two minutes thirty over Teo still, so I, I can see Kelderman winning this race now. Yeah, I mean it was some ride from Almeida too. We saw him sort of licking the invisible ice cream on his way up that final climb. He was yeah. doing doing all he could to hang on to. But pink. he um, limited his losses well. To be fair, he rode from A to B. Um, he, you know, as fast as possible once he got dropped. He didn't crack completely. I thought he paced his effort well. From the moment he got dropped, he still had about best part of eight kilometres to get to the finish. And he paced that beautifully. To only lose 38 seconds in seven and a half kilometres, having been dropped, cause, considering what Nibali lost, I think he did a brilliant job. And he did it all on his own too. He did. Um, you know what that feels like? Um, yeah, I mean, I think every cyclist does. You know, it's, you all crack at some point. I suppose I, I learned that once I got dropped... It was a, a case of never really not going one acceleration too many and pacing your effort and falling back. And um, from the moment you, you detach, you start thinking, hey, how am I going to get from A to B as fast as possible? And, and pacing your effort, regardless of if they pull away or you catch them, you it's like time trial mode. Mm. And that's what he did very well today. That's the way you limit your losses best. And put yourself in Teo's shoes for us because, you know... They're too small for me. I'm 11. <laughs> He's a nine. <laughs> As Rob said, coming of age, as we, we, we've sort of celebrated him, not not quite enough. Given, I mean, it's second British winner this year's Giro, um, great to see. But in terms of him being a GC rider for his psychology, what will this do for him? Well, he's, he is a GC rider now. You know, he's fourth in the Giro with a week to go. Whether he likes it or not, he's now a GC rider. I mean, I just hope he kicks on from here as well. Look, it's not over yet. He could get on the podium. He could win this race. Who knows what's going to happen in the next week? Oh, he's, he's one second off, isn't he? One second off third currently on GC. Yeah. Do you see, for example, Nibali coming back into play? Oh. Or do we think that... that so the, the the big winners today, Teo, Wilco Kelderman, um, the big losers, Fulsang has lost a lot of time again, um, and Nibali's gone backwards too. Yeah. I can't see Jakob coming back into the race now. Um, he was like a lead weight today. And he's just... He's disappointed, I think, this Giro, especially after Lombardia and that. Um... I think Nibali, I just never discount him, you know, but he's going to have to do something extraordinary in that last couple of days. We, we saw him isolated too on the final climb. So he, he's... He's been, been isolated all three weeks, really. He hasn't got the team. Well, he's got less of a team now. So he lost Chicone yesterday and he's also lost uh, Gianluca Brambilla. Didn't start yeah, Ineos lost the rider today, didn't he? Uh, they lose their other Ecuadorian. John Joe... Navarez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he went down quite hard on one John of the descents. John O'Shea. John O'Shea. Not John O'Shea, <laughs> So we've seen a quote from Nibley this evening saying that it was difficult for him to keep the pace. He's going to have to do it on his own. He's, he's, he's without a lot of uh, he's done it on his own members before, of his though. team. done it on his own before. Is, but, he, is it past him doing it now, though? Not necessarily. This time next week, we're going to Sestria, and that's a really tough stage. I just think you never discount until we get to the end, Nibali. He's come from three minutes behind in the past to win the Giro. And, uh, you know, if Kelderman might crack, Teo might crack. Teo might have ridden well beyond himself today and crack one day. You just don't know. Brandon McNulty, UAE Team Emirates, another name that we should talk about today. He had looked incredibly strong up to this yeah. point. Uh, again, he's gone backwards. He's now at four minutes 29. Yeah. Um, if you had to call a top three now, so obviously going into the, the second rest day tomorrow, Brad, if you had to call a top three, who would they be? Kelderman, Teo, and um, Almeida. But... You know what? This race ain't over. To it. Those three could fall away and crack. Yeah, you just don't know. Pozzovivo disappointed today as well. Yes, I think he had problems early on too. Uh, it feels feels like it's a bit of an upside down race in a way, in that you've got De Kernink holding a leader's jersey and mm. Ineos winning stages, and yet yeah. Ineos are not out of the GC race. No, they're not. 
um, they've come back into it, haven't they? I mean, they could get a podium here. You know, Roman Dennis looked strong today too, um, and it, it looked for yeah. for a little while like if he if he could keep the pace on that final climb, like he might have taken his first stage win. At this yeah, race. I think he got he was gonna, never going to stand a chance once Sunweb took it up. Um, and he'd been out there for a long time as well, hadn't he? Um, time trialists like Dennis, having done so well in the time trial on yesterday's stage, um, how do you then back that up? Is it is it easy to do if you flame through the time trial or is it difficult to do? Well, for, the key for, is to have a long warm down afterwards, really. People are different, you know. I mean, how did Te- Teo rode out of his skin yesterday to the time trial. He's had a good day today. Um, but we've seen others, Brandon McNulty, you know. He clearly had, couldn't recover from it. How did you feel when you'd uh, when you had a, a mountain stage coming out of a time trial day? It's difficult because I used to have a different time trial setup. My saddle was higher in that on my time trial bike, so you'd get back on your road bike and the saddle would feel too low and things like that. It's a, it's a different set of muscles. You're like hamstring and glutes, and you've got to make sure you stretch them out in the evenings, and it takes a lot. And it can um, someone like Brandon McNulty. I noticed his time trial set was very high yesterday. Mm. It's a big effort in a very extreme position that you've then got to go back to climbing yeah. and have a lower saddle, drop your heels more and all that. It's, it's a completely different setup. But some riders, as I say, it didn't affect at all. Particularly for a longer TT as yeah. well. You yeah. get away with it, presumably. if you. Yeah, and obviously you, you're climbing yesterday, big numbers on that short climb in the time trial on an extreme position. If you're staying in the saddle and stuff, it can, it can have quite an effect for the day after, quite a knock-on effect. You do a lot of damage in a time trial. Yeah. We didn't have a pod yesterday, Brad. Just, just give us your give us your thoughts on uh, another Filippo Ganna win in the Amazing. TT. I mean, he's, the guy's an animal, and um, when he wins, he wins big. He is the best time trialist in the world at the moment, and he's you know he's crossed between Fabian Cancellara and Miguel Indurain for me. And of course, we saw Rowan Dennis come in second, giving Ineos a one-two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've, I've said already we've, we've got the, the sort of turnaround between De Kernink and Ineos. They're looking incredibly strong for stages, and you've got to expect them to win more, right? I mean, could could we see them win a mountain stage in this last week as well? Yeah, they definitely could. Um, Ganner will win the last time trial in Milan. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's that's a, a given, right? Safe to say. Um, but yeah, they could do. I think you know, look, it's not out of the question they could win the race. I know that's a lot to come back from two forty-five down to two fifty-three two, two, minutes, isn't it? Yeah. But who knows what's going to happen this lot? Look where Teo has come from. He came from 14th today, uh, to 4th, jumped 10 he places. He zipped up 7 places. Taya. 7. Yeah. So that's a bloody good ride. Yeah. What does Almeida have to do to hang on to Penk here? He's got to pedal faster than everyone else. Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists, for life on and off your bike. Lacquer has flipped outdated traditional insurance on its head with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Plus, 80% of your money goes straight back into the collective, fixing, replacing, and helping. And the other 20% keeps their wheels spinning. It's as simple as that. And when things go bad, Lacquer's got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. They've ditched annual contracts locking you in. With Lacquer, if you want to leave, you can, anytime. Head over to www.lacquer.co where new customers can get £10 credit by signing up today with the discount code WIGGINS. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show, sponsored by Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Brad, the other big race today, the Tour of Flanders, the men's and the women's editions. Let's start with the men's, 267 kilometres, the fourth and final monument of the season. 
an absolutely huge finish, which we'll come to in a second. But let's talk about the the breakaway um, where three became two to the finish. Julian Alaphilippe, Wout van Aert, um, and Matthew van der Poel. Yeah, and um, we saw uh, we saw a, a crash with Alaphilippe Alaphilippe going to the back of, yeah. of one of the motos out there. Um, yeah, that was horrible to see. Um, I think we understand he's fractured his hand. He, he instigated that move. You know, he was there was a free probably the three best bike rides in the world at the moment for that kind of race, and it took him out. And then after that, them two just time trolled to the finish really, and they didn't really test each other. They didn't tack each other. They didn't try, and it just came down to almost to a track stand sprint. It was like there was little a, gears, a tacit um, agreement from 30 k's out. Also, the 38 kilometers out there riding as a three. The crash came shortly after they broke away as a three too, and it was Alaphilippe that instigated the break. Had it been the three of them riding to the finish, yeah. Do you think Alaphilippe would have featured, or would he well, Alaphilippe would have tried something before for sure on the climbs on the on the Paterberg or something? He wouldn't have waited to that sprint, but it, it would have been a different dynamic, that's for sure. Yeah, and I'm not sure which way it would have gone. Um, do you blame the moto rider for the crash? No, no, I don't think we can either. No, no, um, they're there to do a job, and you've got to keep your head up all the time. I think Alaphilippe was either on his radio or something, and it's just one of them things that happens in races, happens a lot to people, and you just got to keep your eyes on the road. And they flicked left and kind of didn't give any hand signals either. He's always trying to help the rider behind you, which they probably didn't have time to do, to be honest. And it's just one of those things. They were far, far right on the road. The motorbikes was far right. It wasn't really the motor's fault. Um, no, he was following. It was unfortunate and unfortunate for Alaphilippe. Following Van der Poel's wheel um, and just seemed to look down for a, for a split second. Yeah. Looked up again and all of a sudden the bike was there. Well, look, so the sprint finish, as we say, came down to Van Aert and Van der Poel. Here's how Carlton Kirby called it for us on Eurosport. On this straight road, they'll have full view of the chasers, but that's all about minor positions. This is about victory, and still they just ply their trade. They're into the hoarded sections right now, and uh, some of the advertising with the indented hoardings, which are safer than those with the feet. But who's going to take a step forward? Van der Poel has a look over his shoulder. Van Aert is still waiting, 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 and he's just staring at his man. They're keeping a, a keeping a trackies view of his man is Van der Poel. Van Aert is waiting to pounce. Van der Poel knows this, but when will Van der Poel is going to be forced to lead it out? And here come everybody else. Still Van der Poel waits. Van Aert is uh, on his back wheel. Van der Poel is going to have to pick it up and he does so. Van Aert is alongside him. He comes on up on the side right now. They cross wheels. It's going to be a, a cross man as well. I'm afraid it's going to be a Dutchman at the end. Uh, he responds He's kicking back. He's got there. Oh, I believe, I believe Van der Poel got it. It's going to be a photo. That was amazing. Meanwhile, further back here, who is going to sort this one out? And of course, it's Christoph, former winner, who gets third place. Well, I think Van der Poel took that, but it's going to have to be a photo. Well, Van Aert played it clever, and he did. Sean Kelly. Oh, he's going to have the drinks bought for him tonight. That is fantastic. Evander Paul gets to the line first, just as Adri did in 1986. Then it is Mathieu that takes the title here. Wout van Aert in second place. Brad, we both said Van Aert for the, uh, for the win today. As it was, we were wrong. We were. Um, but it was very close. And you could do that. You could run that sprint 10 times and it would probably they'll get five apiece. Um, but Van der Poel to lead that out, tiny little gear. They both jumped at the same time, 180 meters to go, um, and he won it by a quarter of a wheel, something mm. like that. Amazing. Yeah, he was really grinding. His dad won really the race. Grinding. Dad won the race in '86. Adrie Van Kelly. der Poel. He beat Kelly. I mean, we we've seen them um, battle 
throughout this rebooted season, really. You, you've got to say that today was the day it really came to a head. What can we expect from them in the future? Um, I think they're going to feature the next 10, 12 years now um, in the classics, much like Cancelar and Boonen, you know, Museo and Shamil, Merckx and Devlamic, you know, the great, the era, Van der Aard and Kelly. I mean, Van Aert's already had an outstanding season, you know, winning San Remo. Um and, and a couple of stages at the tour, second at the Worlds. I, I feel my feeling is that today was, in many ways, more important for Van der Poel because it's his first monument. Yeah. Like he's, he's won the Bank Tour, but you wouldn't say that was half as important as no, um, some no. of Van, Van. And he won um, Amstel last Arts, year, didn't he? Palmares. He won Amstel, um, and he's now won Flanders, really. And they'll share the they'll share the spoils the next couple of years. So it's, it's quite nice for, from. He's won a San Remo. He's won Strada Bianchi this year and Van Aert. And, it's quite nice that they share the spoils, really, because they're going to be the two biggest riders now for the next 10 years. Alaphilippe, um, so we, we understand he's broken his wrist. Yeah. How does how does he now recoup? And I mean, he's had well, such a topsy-turvy season. He has, but he's had a good season. I mean, like... <sighs> being, sort of being stripped of the Mayo Jean, winning the world title, crashing today. You almost don't know what you're going to get from him. No, but he's had a good season. He won a stage in the Tour. He's won you know, the world title. I mean, the world title's the world title. I mean... It's been a bloody successful year, really. I mean, yeah, so he's had the yellow in the tour. He's had the stage in the tour. He won. He would have won the age had he kept his hands on the bars in physical terms. But I know he got relegated anyway, but he, he's still he's still on physical terms. He's, he's had a, a really good season. He's not going to be disappointed with it. In, I mean, he crashed in Flanders today, yes. But look, on a rescheduled, rescheduled calendar this year, he's won the world title and he's now going to wear that world champ bands probably till next October this mm. season's runs out well it's gonna get a whole year in it we understand he's having surgery tonight is he if you're julian alaphilippe now what are you aiming for next year are you focusing on the classics or are you going are you, are you looking at the tour de france and going i'm gonna have a pop um, crack at this this time i think he'll do everything next year again he'll want to he'll want to show that jersey as much as possible and win as much and he'll be back with a bit between his teeth next year that's for sure he's in the fortunate position where he doesn't really have to choose does he he can, he seems to be able to, a bit yeah, like van art whichever race he rocks up to He's going to have a bloody yeah. good stab at winning it. Yeah, he can do anything. How about Van der Poel? Do you see him? I mean, for me, he's going to be dead ahead for the classics next year again. Yeah, the classics are where he's going to go for. But with Bink Bank, he's shown that he can do. Yeah, he but, can feature in a stage race. Yeah, too. I think he'll go for the classics next year. Um, they might look for a wild card in the tour, um, but I think he'll end up maybe having a dig at things like Paris Nice next year. Yeah. Van der Poel's countrymen, or countrywomen, I should say, Anna van der Breggen and Amiek van Vluten, both broke away at the Women's Tour of Flanders today. Um, they ended up sort of cancelling each other out with about 30 kilometres to go and, mm. and almost inexplicably sat up, um, leaving Chantal van den Broek black uh, from Bowles Dolmans to, to solo away almost unchallenged to the win. Mm. Van der Breggen, we understand, was working for a teammate um, and, and, and had already committed to that. Uh, and, and presumably wasn't going to work with Van Vluten to the finish. Uh, but that, that's purely speculation. Um, what did you make of this one? Um, I think, you know, she was doing her job, really, and, and she had, that just shows the amount of confidence she had um, in, her, in, her, in Van Vandenbroek behind and her teammate, you know, that she was going to get the job done. I think they saw Van der Breggen as, you know, someone that if she went off the front like that, that you have to get marshal her and get her back because it's very rarely you get her back. Yeah, once um, Van, once Van Vluten's gone, she's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Van der Breggen went across to her and just basically kind of demoralised her, really. And and by sitting there and doing what she did, it was just a way we're going to cancel you out because we can't have you up the road. And I think even Van der Breggen was probably cautious that she might not even stay with her on the climbs. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame again because it, in a way, almost robbed of, a, of another thrilling finish or what could have been another thrilling. Well, it was a thrilling finish. I thought it was a thrilling finish. Anyway, it became within with the sort of minute to go. It became, sorry, a couple of kilometres to go, a foregone conclusion. She had a minute on the rest of the field, yeah, didn't she? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good, and I thought that ball storm. They, the way they worked it today was fantastic. Just from a team point of view, I thought that was excellent. Brad, two Grand Tours in one week next week, the final uh, week of the Giro, the first week of the Vuelta. Uh, to look ahead to that, welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show, Sean Kelly. Hello. Good to have you back, Sean. Let's talk about who our favourites of the Vuelta are. I mean, Primoz Roglic is, is up there for the bookies, uh, 11 to 8. Can you see beyond him? I certainly think so. Um, you know, it's been um, it's been a special year, of course. And um, yeah, we know with Roglic, the way he's been performing, um, yeah, he's always going to be up there with the favourites. But, um, you know, you have the other riders. I'm not too sure exactly, but uh, Carapaz, of course. And I think Carapaz is the one who could um, maybe uh, do something in this, um, in this uh, Vuelta. Because, yeah, we see him in the end of the Tour. He came to the Tour... Uh, not really ready for it, and um, he put up a great performance. So I think uh, he's going to be in, in better shape in this uh, Vuelta. Um, but it's going to be a it's going to be a special one because um, the way the season has been. So um, even though you look at the bookies and all of that, I don't ever take too much from that. I think we've seen that 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 can you know change so much. Weather conditions as well kind of a big bearing if we get. If we get a change of weather conditions, it could change the whole outcome and the results of the race. Yeah, I think Carapaz as well. I think he's um, Carapaz and Rolich. Um, I'm not sure. What do you think the weather will be like in Spain this time of year? Well, you would expect it to be okay, um, but yeah, you never know the weather conditions. You have no control over it, and um, you know, in the big mountains, if you get uh, just one bad day where it gets really cold, uh, rain, sleet, well, then uh, that could you know, change the whole outcome of the race. Uh, when you won it, it was in May, wasn't it? It used to be quite the rain would be quite horrific then, wouldn't it? Well, when uh, yeah, when it was in the early part of the season back in May, April, time, wasn't it? April, yes, May, yeah. Yes, there was there was days where you would get you know some horrible weather conditions. Uh, yeah. One name leaps out there for me, Sean, Thibaut Pinot. Yeah, Thibaut, yeah. He's got something to prove after the Tour de France, hasn't he? Well, I don't think uh, Pinot, um, you know, for um, a place in the GC, I don't think uh, he's consistent enough to do that. And I think, you know, with all the disappointments he's had, Giro and Tour, the past number of years, if you look back at, you know, the way he has really blown when he was looking in good shape, he's just not able to take that pressure when he's up there. I know the Vuelta maybe not anything like a Tour of France because when you're in the Tour, of course, you know with the French press and that there's so much pressure on him. But still, I think he puts a, you know a lot of pressure on himself. And when he gets into that position of winning a Vuelta or getting on a podium, I don't think he's able to bottle that anymore. But yeah, stage wins certainly he's you know capable of doing that. So uh, I think uh, for Pino, a podium in a big Tour, a three-week Tour, I don't think we're going to see it. Shortened Grand Tour, 18 stages, Brad. How will the riders be feeling about that? It is what it is. It's still two, over two and a half weeks long, so I can't. I mean, it might have an impact on the GC had they started in Holland. You know what Holland's like. Flat stages, um, echelons, road furniture. I'm sure there would have been some ups and downs, but you know, I think they'll be just pleased they've got a race this year. And um, it is what it is. I think. I don't think we have to just treat it as one race. You know, we can't say... What if it could have been three weeks long? I mean, we, it's a race in itself. Um, who knows if we'll even get to Madrid? Whether it be weather or coronavirus, 
Yeah, uh, exactly. That, yeah, that stops it. Yeah, we just don't know at this stage. That will be the interesting one, and hopefully we get the three weeks. You know, to get um, to to get a real winner, uh, you need for a grand tour. It needs to be pretty much the three weeks. Uh, just looking back at the other uh, start list, there, Tom Dumoulin. We have seen him. You know, in the Tour of France, he was out for a long, long time with the injury from the Giro last year, and he rode a very, very consistent strong tour of france and i think in the end he seemed to be getting better so i'd not be surprised if he was you know one of the surprise ones in this vuelta because um you know he's um he's a, he's a you know a real solid three-week rider and that's what you've got to be you know looking at the um looking at any of the big tours you have to be consistent every day you have to be able to do your time trials you have to be there in the mountains just just grind it away every day, not lose too much if you lose a little bit here and there. But consistency is, you know, I think the ingredients to win a big three-week tour. I mean, most of these guys have done the Tour of, the tour of France. I would say the Tour of France. Sean, that's, that's your influence. Brad, how are they going to back it up? I mean, it feels like it was yesterday. It wasn't. It was, it was nearly four weeks ago. But no, they'll be fine. If anything, they'll be in better shape. I don't know about Rolich. I mean, he, he was already going well before the Tour, but... He held his form. He's got one of the age, hasn't he? So I suppose for Pino, it's a second chance, a chance to really shine, isn't it? Um, you know, he wasn't physically down and out of the tour. He had a bad back one day and the next day he was in the break. Um, so it's not like he injured himself or anything. I mean, I actually think Tom de Milan could be good. Will he be Yumbo's main man, having ridden for, for Roglic? Well, I think uh, they will play board cards, you know, for, uh, for a time in the race and see how things go. Um, and definitely... Yeah, with uh, Jumbo Visma, Dumoulin will be, I think, um, a protected rider in the earlier days. And uh, because yeah, you just never know uh, in the earlier part of a big tour, you know, there's so much going on, crashes and that. So if you have two cars to play, well, that is a big advantage. Chris Froome, what do we think? Can he I'd do like something here? I'd like to see here? Chris Froome. I'd like to see him, but I just don't think he's got the form by the looks of it. Well, it would be great to see Chris Froome coming back, mm. but I don't I don't think it's going to be uh, for this while. That it's just... Um, He's not going to have, you know, enough time, not enough racing as well. This year has been a special one. You know, if he had been racing all year and getting, you know, a lot of racing in, Chris Froome might be in the uh, form to win a Vuelta, but I don't see it happening this time round. But I think Mass, you know, he's a rider that we've seen in the Vuelta when he was riding with uh, Quickstep, you know, he put up a real, a real big performance. So, you know, on home soil, I think uh, he could be the one could create the surprise. Brian fancies Alexander Vlasov for the overall as an outside bet um, at Astana. Yeah. <laughs> Sean says no way. <laughs> I don't agree. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I think he's, uh, he's a talented rider, but again, you know, um, <clears throat> that experience riding three weeks, the physical and mental, you know, demands there. Um, you just can't just rock up and do that in a three-week race. I think you have to, you know, Give him, that, give him a bit more time to do that. And <clears throat> I feel that you have to see guys in a week-long race, like, you know, the uh, Paris-Nice, Pays-Basque, Tour of Switzerland, for example. I think when the guys are able to do it and finish maybe on the podium in those races, well, then that's a good pointer uh, that they can maybe manage a, a big three-week tour. So I think for Vlasov, a little bit too early in his, in his career. So he might have been an outside bet for the Giro had he, um, mm. had he stayed the course. He, he might be up there now. Yeah, maybe, but he didn't. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Thank you to our sponsor, Alaka Bicycle Insurance. Cheers, Alaka. We can follow you. So we go. So we go. Sean, where can we follow you? Thank you for dropping in, I should say, first of yeah, all. Cheers, Sean. Secondly, Legend. I should ask, where can we follow you? Sean Kelly Cycling CC. Sean Kelly Cycling CC. You can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to our producer, Pete Burton. Finally, from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. Your podcast platform of choice is where you can subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.